Hi, friends. It's me, Adam, once again here to bring you some wonderful content, you know, probably centralized around a plant that we all probably enjoy. I'm sure it would be nice if we could enjoy it together. And the thing is, if you are enjoying the plant right now as you're listening to this, we are enjoying this together. Hey, speaking of enjoying this together, the show, the plant, and all of that, I want to give a huge shout-out to my friend Kathy in Indiana and her family that are listening in. I hope you're toking up and enjoying the show. And if you reach out somehow to me, listener, other than Kathy and her family, and you tell me how much you enjoy the show, you might get a shout-out too. So if you want that, let's do it. All right, spark them if you got them. It's time for High Friends. For real, Kathy, your son, and I believe daughter-in-law, thanks so much for tuning in, and I'm glad that High Friends could be a part of your family. That's pretty cool. And honestly, it's kind of the point of the show. You know, it's High Friends, and it's people that I've met through cannabis, but part of the friends and high friends, it is you, the listener, and I'm trying to figure out a good way to get you guys involved in the show, whether it's, you know, some shows have like a voicemail where you can leave a a message or something like that. I'd like to incorporate you guys, the listeners, the audience. It, It feels weird to refer to you guys just like that, because you're not to me. You are not just an audience or the listeners. I believe in community. Community is something that's really, really important to me. Growing up a pastor's kid, I was taught that having a sense of community and having a real community of people that come around you and support you, that that is a very important thing for a person. It is one of the few things that I think the evangelical church or the Christian church in general did get right. Community is important. And what I love about the cannabis community, the stoner community, whatever you call it, is that it is very similar. We all support each other and we want to see each other do the best we can. And I love that. So if you guys want to be involved, I want you involved. So I'm trying to figure out a way to get your voices active on this show. If you have ideas, you can reach out to me. Best place is Instagram, iFriendsPod. Just click the link down in the show notes. On today's show, we've got Mike from Dro TV doing a new segment that we call Here's to the High Life. It's not necessarily a story about a time you were using cannabis, but it's a toast to all of the things and all of the occasions that you've been able to experience because of your relationship to cannabis. Here's to the High Life celebrates who we are as stoners and all of the really cool things that we've gotten to do since meeting weed. But first, I'm talking with Dr. Cody Peterson. He's a pediatric pharmacist and cannabis science expert. He's the chief science officer of the Conigma, a science-forward media company who wants to help the world get cannabis. To read Cody's full bio and to click some links to take you to the places where you can find more information, really valuable information that the Conigma and Cody are putting out there, Check the show notes, where you can also find links to our social media. We'll be jumping right into a conversation that Cody and I were having about diabetes, a diagnosis I am very familiar with, and it naturally led into my question for Cody, are stoner-isms, as we decided to call them, are they 
something that automatically happened to us because of cannabis, because of something it does to us, like squinty eyes or the dreaded stoner laugh that gives us all away? Or is it a learned behavior like I think it might be? I'm not sure, but this is why I know experts. It's time for to be said about you know the, the your your parents right and their contribution to your current uh weight uh just one example is it, i'm as a, i'm a pediatric pharmacist right so i see children with obesity and diabetes new diagnosis every day i it's just part of my job right. and and uh, you know having overweight and obese parents definitely predisposes you to be overweight and obese as a child we also know that if you're overweight and obese as a child you're eight times more likely to have diabetes and be obese as an adult and so now we see this strong correlation between how you're raised what you were fed as a child and and what what's happening and unfortunately if we low it look at communities that are of lower socioeconomic class which is often black and brown communities we see poor diet led to by poorly available foods because of food deserts and then it's more difficult to eat healthy and we really see a repeating cycle of of a lack of health and wellness and and, and this is contributed to not not solely due to but contributed to by you know poverty and lower socioeconomic class what you're saying there it totally ties into what i wanted to talk to you about today it's not necessarily your your topic of expertise i'm sure we will have offshoots that will involve your topic of expertise. But that correlation thing that you're talking about, how you're seeing these kids and you can look at their parents and go, well, I mean, I can definitely tell the way that you're raising your kid or what what you're feeding them or how how important is exercise in in your parents' life, you know, that contributes. I wanted to talk to you about this idea that I've been having about the typical, the stereotypical stoner symptoms i've been calling them or behaviors is maybe a better word the the lack of motivation the even down to like the stoner laugh stonerisms stonerisms that yeah absolutely i've been thinking lately that these are all they're not symptoms they're not byproducts of using cannabis a lot of them aren't they're I think they're learned because I didn't get into cannabis until I was 32 years old and I got into it with the thought that it's medicine. I had to learn to have fun with it. I mean, the name of the show is High Friends. So I've learned to have fun with cannabis. I, I get it. But <laughs> it's like, social. Right. Yeah. But but I'm I don't I've never had couch lock. The only time I've had couch lock is when I've intentionally overconsumed. I, I don't have a stoner laugh. Like I I've just been really thinking like have have we all been trained has has the world been trained to believe that cannabis will make you this or make you that whether it's lazy or or uncontrollably laugh or whatever were we trained by the media by Cheech and Chong by by whatever because i'm not i all all it does for me is make me feel normal and productive and I, I can't understand it. So help me, Cody. I mean, I think there's both things at play here. Is there some sort of like Hollywood imprint of what we should, what a stoner should look like? I said we, sorry, but uh, I just included you in the club. You're good. Uh, and so, or is is there something to this neurochemically in the body, right? And and I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Look, name one of the, one of the symptoms that you just related to. Uh, what about squinty eyes? Let's go with that. Yeah, Let's go sure. with squinty eyes. Yeah. 
Okay, well, here's what you should know. Your endocannabinoid system, which by the way is my expertise, is a complex master regulatory system throughout the entire body that regulates all sorts of things, right? right. It, it really helps us perceive the world and react to it regarding temperature, pH, uh, re regarding uh, what we eat, whether we're hungry, whether the sun is out, how we should re respond to whether we sprained our ankle or whether whether we stubbed our toe and how long it should hurt for. All of these things are help, help to be regulated through the ECS. Now, when you look at the endocannabinoid system and where it's located, we find it uh, uh, frequently in the eyeballs. Okay. Really? Like it's pretty. It's it's pretty densely, right? Okay. Well, well, why would it be there? Well, it's helping us perceive the sights and and things around us, translate it into the brain, and tell us what's happening, right? So, what do we see? We see um, one example is a change in uh, eye pressure. We see a decrease in ocular pressure with our THC users. Glaucoma, bro. Leave me alone. I got a script. Okay. So there's number one. We see red eyes in the vasculature. Actually, in the in the veins of the eyes, we see endocannabinoid or cannabinoid receptors that is meant to react with endocannabinoids. But when we toke on THC, it stimulates these blood vessels and turns your eyes red. But get this parts of the muscles that innervate the eyes and where our eyelids sit have cannabinoid receptors. <laughs> and when THC activates these receptors, our eyes get a little bit lower. You can call it a stereotype, but when the musicians have, have right. songs and lyrics about it, yeah. there's something to the eyes low, the squinty yeah, no, stoner eyes. I'm, I'm all for that. There are just some things that are biologically going okay, to happen and be affected. So give well, me another one. The laugh. No, no, tell, no. tell me about the laugh. Tell me about the laugh. Okay, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, look, the, the laugh, A, cannabis induces laugh. So you're going to see somebody who laughs regularly. Was, okay, so, I want to so, so you... stop you right there. So I, I responded to somebody on Reddit recently who was like, I've never had this uncontrollable laughter and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what? I, I don't, I've never had that either. Like cannabis, just, it just doesn't really... I, I think what I'm trying to get at is that I, I feel like people... I don't know. I don't know, Cody. I, I think that people think they have to like give up control to this plant, to the, to this, whatever happens. And like, I get so frustrated with it, I think. And I'm sorry, I'm derailing what you were saying. I'm a little bit of a verbal processor, but I get, I get so frustrated because I'm like, why, why are you putting it in this box that you learned from movies? Just, just have some self-control, have some intention with it. And it can, it, you can unlock a fucking amazing world I, it's it's not just uh, laughing it's not just no you're absolutely right you're 100 percent correct but if you look at thc as a whole and you try to trend it is it likely to cause giggly and right laughter i know at the I right know. at a certain <laughs> dose absolutely and above that dose it's usually sleepy and below that dose sometimes we even see like stimulating almost anxiety some people don't like this sort of low dose effects because right. we see what's called a biphasic effect with with cannabinoids so not everyone gets laughy because they all have different endocannabinoid systems but like you can you can say okay so there's this tendency to laughter but then there's also a, a decrease in like let's say you they talk slower that's a that's a common stonerism yeah i would i would say slower. i have that one yeah 
So what we have is we have densely located receptors in the verbal processing centers of our brain. So these receptors, which are normally responsible for us translating information from the outside world and, and moving it normally through the brain, get stimulated by THC and slows it down. So now, yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. So it just it slows things down and in, in at the at the, again at the right dose, or it depends on the ratios. But this is customizable. Here, if you go to the Kenigma.com, but you can type in, you don't even need to go there. Just Google how to is CBD modifies your high and Kenigma, and you'll find an article by us and it'll tell you why what they found when you combine CBD with THC and we see a ceiling effect. So when we consume ratios of THC and CBD together, we won't get as high, giving people even more control and even right. more reassurance that they're not going to overshoot. Because the truth is, while it doesn't sound like you've had very many negative experiences with THC, there are many individuals who do because of the sensitivity of their endocannabinoid system. There's so much. There's so I there's just so many offshoots that I'd love to go down, but uh, you're talking about um, endocannabinoid sensitivity and things like that. I, one of the conversations that I've had with Riley Kirk, the cannabis chem on social media, is she told me about, I don't remember the exact term, but like an endocannabinoid deficiency disorder. This theory that, that it's, that because that, I said, I said, so you're saying that our body is supposed to create these compounds that are very similar to cannabinoids that we get from cannabis. I said, is it possible then? Because I have always felt that cannabis makes me feel normal. Like I, I, the overwhelming thing I've said to my wife is I feel like I think everybody else who I've thought of as normal feels like for the first time. And I said, so is it possible that I am not creating these natural compounds, these endocannabinoids to a proper degree? And so when I use cannabis, it's like fulfilling a deficit. And she went, oh yeah, that's this theory called blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it was like, Somebody had just unlocked this certain amount of freedom that I had to be like, no, I'm not. It's not just to get high. This is literally so I can feel like you. So I'm wondering if you're somebody like me, I just fully believe that this theory is correct, that I have a deficiency of these natural endocannabinoids and that the ca cannabinoids from cannabis help me. So if it's somebody like me, would it make sense that I, that I wouldn't have a ton of negatives? Because maybe those negatives are coming from an overabundance of those compounds that are similar? Yeah, that certainly could be correlated. Your endocannabinoid tone, which sort of ties all this together, right? So endocannabinoid deficiency, just it's not really, uh, it suggests like a, an underproduction, uh, but that's not necessarily always the problem. There can be multiple problems in the, in the process. Could it be production? Yes, there's enzymes, there's machines that work in the ECS to produce endocannabinoids. Those endocannabinoids then must have, those are the the keys in the system they must then interact with the locks in a system called receptors right the cannabinoid right. receptors and those have to be prevalent present right and they can be up or down regulated depending on if you're well or unwell and what you eat and all the how you treat yourself and all of these other things and then they have to be degraded and turn and gotten rid of and if they're not degraded properly that can have its own its own issues as and effects as well maybe good maybe bad 
uh, the point is, is this tone is incredibly important to the way that we respond to cannabis. And this is why the the quest, the holy grail in cannabis, if you pay attention, is like, ah, we're going to do your whole genetic panel. We're going to know exactly the strain of cannabis. We'll have it and then we'll have it all figured out. But I'm here to tell you your ECS changes from day to day, week to week, based on how you treat yourself, what you're eating, how you know how you move your body and, and all of these other factors. So it's not going to be as ever as simple as this is the what for you. Will we get to a point where we have a good idea of disease processes and, and pharmacology that makes sense? I hope so. And we can drive those decisions. You know, we're already there with some, but that that day will probably never come, not like this dose, because your tone can change and it's literally driven by your by your diet. I love what you just said because it you see these posts on like Reddit or social media is like, oh, I got some edibles. What what should I take? And everybody's like, oh, well, the standard dose is 10 milligrams. And it's like, well, you don't know. <laughs> your system is totally different. According to uh, the the FDA, the standard dose is five milligrams. Well, right. That's what I'm saying is pe- stoners <laughs> are just like, well, it comes in 10 milligrams. So that's a standard dose. And it's like, <laughs> that's one dose. <laughs> right. Right. Like you don't have to eat the whole candy bar, guys. You, you, you don't have to. But um, what I love about what you said is that it, it it takes away from the layman's term of, well, everybody's different. And it gives like a real like, hey, no, scientifically, you're different and you're going to change every day. And what I really like and about time that. Time of day. Time of day. Right. What I really like about that is something I have been proselytizing since I got into cannabis and serious about cannabis is that you should be changing up. Not only, you know, if people want to, if you're only a smoker, change your strains. I'm really talking about changing up your cannabinoid profile that you're intaking. But I also think it's really, really, really important to change the method of consumption that you're you're taking it in with as well. There's different benefits from different ways you consume. But I, I, I didn't know that. I really thought it was like, well, you're different and you're just set. You're different than everybody. But there you go. You're different. There you go. You're set. But it can be, it can be the the other, right? There can be the genetic problems, right? There could be a malfunction in your genes that change the way your body processes endocannabinoids or the availability of receptors in your brain. Early childhood trauma can dictate the way the, the ECS is set up later in life. PTSD is related and we see changes in the endocannabinoid system of the brain in the same areas where we see cha- like other issues. This is why THC likely works in these conditions. So the ECS is a master regulatory system in in every major organ system, helping it communicate with one another and create balance and, and ha- make sense of information. And a good example of this is, is THC exposure in childhood predisposes you to having maybe attention deficit disorder or like a slightly lower IQ, etc. Now, why? Because the ECS is part of neurodevelopment. It, it makes, we can correlate it. And last one, and this one's super important, for those who are genetically predisposed, cannabis, THC, high THC cannabis induces schizophrenia earlier in life. This is the psychosis correlation that they've made. And, and this is because the parts of the brain involved in schizophrenia are rich in cannabinoid receptors. And when you start to change the tone, you start to present these symptoms of schizophrenia. And so it's all this master system and all the side effects all blend together and it makes sense. Dry mouth, dry eyes, feeling cold. You ever, you ever smoke some weed and been real cold, want to put on your sweatshirt? That is one of the conversations I had with Riley because the, the only real negative I have ever had from cannabis is when I have overconsumed, usually RSO, 
I, I will get what I call the THC shivers because if I really, really, really think and, and focus and concentrate, I can, I can realize that I'm not cold, that there's just something in my body that, that is like reacting to this THC. And so I brought that up to Riley and she has a video on TikTok about uh yeah yeah a, we uh, did one similarly what's actually. it called it's about THC induced hyperthermia THC, yeah THC induced hypothermia is probably a better term and we know that it's not just THC but generally is if you do high THC cannabis extract so again you want to you want to Google something just type in uh rats hypothermia and canigma or or uh T- monkeys and Kenigma would get you there because <laughs> scientists gave gave high doses of THC to uh, dogs, rodents, and monkeys uh, in an attempt to kill them, right? This is the 1970s. <laughs> They're like, oh, we have this toxic, terrible marijuana. We must find evidence that it's killing things, right? So they gave huge doses to these animals, up to nine grams per kilogram, okay? Nine grams of RSO, or THC isolate for every kilo that you weigh. So you're like, what? You're like 150 pounds right now. I'm 200. So we'll but yeah. call you, um, what is You're 200 right now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a tall guy. You're, I'm you're six, a six. tall guy. <laughs> okay, so we're going to say 220 for simple math, which makes you 100 kilos. So nine times 100 is 900 grams of cannabis extract. Yeah, so just under a kilo of oil was given to you relative to this animal's body size okay and what they saw is that monkeys didn't die and they also by the way they gave them delta 9 delta 8 or full rso okay so that's what, what they gave them in all cases monkeys didn't die they just went into like a stupor for like two and a half days okay then postured and like went did real weird things okay but, but they didn't die dogs there were a few deaths but it seemed to be related to vomiting post getting sure. the the drugs they they felt very shitty for even longer they were unable to walk or move for for quite some long time uh and and they actually see immobility in high doses of thc in dogs you see that their inability to walk I and mean, you do see some of them who don't tolerate it well but it didn't Last like shut case, down their respiratory system or something correct right correct they 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 were incapacitated for days but but didn't die and this is huge doses guys like they they were trying to to kill the animals as, as terrible as this might be but this is how toxicology studies are done usually not necessarily at this case but they were really after this toxic dose right they really <laughs> wanted to prove it in fact, i just the I, first I like- experiment Oh, go, go ahead. You can read an article on this, so I don't want to get too in. Well, I was going to say, I'll uh, let you talk about the rats. I just, I love that, that a experiment was started with the thought, let's try and kill some animals with weed. Like, we need to see how toxic this stuff is. Let's try to kill some animals. And what's funny is the first parts of the experiment, they actually had did two lower doses and it didn't work. So they had to push to this nine grams that I'm telling you about. Like they were like, uh, it wasn't enough to kill the animals. Let's go higher. Okay. And it still didn't work. But then what's really interesting is, is when they gave it to rodents, they gave, they gave large doses to, to, I think mice and rats. And in both cases, murdered like nine out of ten of them all dead (laughs) really yeah why yeah hypothermia oh Uh uh-huh the rodents couldn't maintain their body temperature and they passed away from hypothermia so so thc is toxic to your two rodents right man that's that is insane i the the thc induced hypothermia is is fascinating to me because again, if I really concentrate, I can go, I'm not cold. 
I, but I'm shivering for some reason. And so my brain is like mm-hmm. interpreting it as coldness. And the only way to get it for me to get over that is to either go into a car and blast the heat or to get in the shower. I, I, it's so crazy that, that THC can do that to your body. Okay, well, let's keep going with the temperature thing, right? Let's yeah. talk about THC and temperature a little more. Have you heard of cannabinoid hyperemesis? Syndrome? I believe so, but I don't know what it is. I, I, the, it sounds that, that hyperemesis, it, it, it's bringing back, but I don't remember. Okay, so THC is well known for treating vomiting, which is also called emesis, right? Like this is, this is what it's FDA approved for in, in chemotherapy is to deal with nausea and vomiting. Sure. However... There is this uh, somewhat rare uh, phenomenon uh, that's happening more and more around us where when people are over-consuming THC regularly for long periods of time, they develop uh, sort of somewhat random and uncontrollable bouts of vomiting hmm. that can last between 12 hours and even 12 days. Oh, you're talking, they, yes. Where, what's, the, what's the acronym for this? CHS. Yes, yes. I know this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, good. I'm glad we got to brief the listeners. Yes. Uh, but but let's just play on the temperature thing. You said you go and you lay in the tub. It's the only way you feel better, right? That's about your temperature. But this temperature system, which is which is this amazing part of the endocannabinoid ohm, more than just the CB1 and CB2 receptors, these temperature receptors in our bodies get dysregulated with regular THC. And these people experience nausea and vomiting in one way that we treat them is that they, we give them hot baths and showers. We find that these patients on their own naturally have a strong propensity to taking long, hot showers to feel better and not feel nauseous. Hmm. And this is related to this temperature thing that we're talking about. It's, dude, Cody, the more I learn about cannabis and the more I learn just about, you know, it was, it's only been two and a half years that I've started to listen to my body after my diabetes diagnosis. So the more that I learn about my body and listen to it and learn about cannabis and honestly listen to cannabis, it's like, oh, so everything is just, everything's connected in your body for sure. But also it just feels like everything's also connected to this cannabis shit that, uh-huh. you know, is helping. To the endocannabinoid right. system. The reason cannabis is touching all of the things is because the endocannabinoid system is a master regulatory system in all parts of our body. So let's talk about that ECS a little bit. Why is it not taught? Why, why are there doctors coming out of institutions after eight years maybe they got a semester with like 10 minutes in a class talking like what is going on it's it's connected to everything you say so what the fuck (laughs) it's so true so the truth of the matter is 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 doctors have to learn an immense amount of existing material and and the excuses that's used is there's just no room in the curriculum for more information around this sort of thing now i say that's hogwash I, I, and what we, this really needs to come in and be starting to be instituted all through the, their undergraduate education being talked about in biochemistry, which is still ignored, even though we talk about other lipid signals, right? We talked about things called prostaglandins and bradykinin and all of these other inflammatory pathways in both uh, therapeutics class and biochemistry class. But nowhere in that conversation was, was endo, 
cannabinoid system. And I think it's a reflection of the bias in the curriculums that, that generally are part of academia, but this is changing. There is no topic that is being more published about than, than cannabis, except for maybe COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> and, and so that's how, you know, it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of money to be made in COVID-19. There's just a lot of interest in, in, you know, change that can happen for the world. If we understand the endocannabinoid system better, the system is, is part of all of us. And when I say all of us, Adam, I don't just mean you and me. I mean the rodents. I mean the the all the mammals, but not just them. I mean the reptiles and the birds chirping and the fish swimming. They're all connected through the endocannabinoid system. It's intrinsic to almost all life on planet Earth, okay, except for uh, microbial life and maybe insects. And And so that inherently is just magical right? right i mean if you want to talk about what fucking binds us right. <laughs> but also serotonin does which is uh, another you know psychedelic kind of connection that we could make is like you feel connected to the earth well guess what serotonin is a two billion year old signaling receptor <laughs> uh so welcome and then um that's a, a little more mysticism i guess than it no, is no but you know what let's let's no let's talk about that just really quick every conversation i have with somebody about cannabis there is this certain Nobody knows what to call it. They're uncomfortable calling it spiritual. They're uncomfortable calling it mysticism. There is something. And when you're talking about how we're all connected by the endocannabinoid system, maybe it's just as simple as that. This this weirdly, because when we're talking about that mysticism, that spiritual feeling that stoners get from sitting in a circle and sharing a joint. It really is more about that connection, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. We feel seen, we feel heard, we feel connected to somebody. And maybe it's just that we're all getting our ECS managed right. Maybe that's all it is. I don't know. So, so the reason the joint is better in, in socialization is because socialization is inherently uh, cannabimimetic. It mimics the effects of cannabis, right? But not really, right? Well, that's like they think is we say we say that word, but really it, it just stimulates the endocannabinoid system, right? It, 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 this is euphoria for us is just to feel part of a group and be connected. So that's one way to hack your endocannabinoid system. Go meditate and go do yoga more and more and more studies are coming out that says yoga, meditation, all support the endocannabinoid system. Acupuncture, chiropractic, all of these things change and alter your endocannabinoid system. So what do you your say? Diet, though, what your you- microbiome. <laughs> I'm not done. Your microbiome influences it. Your doing things that you love, playing sports, moving your body. All of these things connect your endocannabinoid system to you and your mental health and and who you are. What do you say to somebody though who says, "Great, you said all these words that I don't know and I don't really believe because I have a bias against cannabis and I, you're just you're just using this all as justification for a weed addiction." Like, I do we just do we as the type of users that we are or that I am, do I just have to accept that there are just some people who I will never be able to say the right words to? Like I just I'm I, I know I know that that's the case and I know that you're not going to give me the answer that I want. I, it's just so frustrating to be able to have a conversation with somebody like you and all of my other guests who bring this depth of knowledge of stuff that I've theorized and like thought about. And and like, man, I think I, I like cannabis because I think it's doing this. I think this is. And then I have conversations with experts who go, yeah, it's doing exactly that. And it's just like, 
how can this possibly be bad? How how have we gotten so far from the truth on this plant? How did we ever prohibit a plant in general, right? We 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 allow drugs and those are those are more permitted than a plant. It's nonsense. So Schedule that's like one, legalized man. nature. No medical benefits from this plant. <laughs> not, not. <laughs> yeah, except according to the 47 states who have declared some medical benefits. You know, not all of them. They can't all agree, but look, here we are. Right. Cannabis is medicine. CBD is FDA approved. Uh, THC is FDA approved. And a one to one CBD to THC is approved in 18 countries around the world, just not the United States. But they're in stage three clinical trials right now and hope to bring Sativex to America very soon. GW Pharmaceuticals, owned now owned by Jazz Pharmaceuticals, which they were bought for seven billion dollars, is is now you know driving the ship. Okay, so the, the pharma is is there. It's going to happen, but it's going to be patent wars. It's going to be a race to the bottom. It's going to be over taxation. We really need federal reform to hash out all of the aspects of, of the future market that we need, which is appropriate re regulation and standards. We need them to come forward with, with some sort of less bias uh, governing. The DEA has to go. This has nothing to do with them. They enforce drugs. This is a freaking herb. And, and, and so unless we're talking about semi-synthetics made from CBD that are coming from the hemp space that are currently unregulated, DEA, if you'd like to get involved, go for it, but get the hell out of my garden. <laughs> like, uh, and Listen, so we could, we could talk all day about <laughs> D8, about Delta eight. And I, I have a campaign against Delta eight chemically altered CBD. Get that shit out of your bodies, people. So if any of your users listen to clubhouse on, on Saturday mornings on clubhouse, we do a room that talks about, all things cannabis. It's me and a bunch of really brilliant people, including Dr. Nick Schrader out of the Netherlands, uh, Dr. Michael Getze, uh, the pot, who wrote the pot doc, Dr. Uh, Patricia Fry, who wrote, has written her own book and is a with the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. She's an all-star. Just so many brilliant people. Dr. Mark Chaldon, a PhD, the, the patent owner on HHC, one of these derivatives that we're talking about. Like everybody's talking and it got so involved that Mark and, and, uh, and Mike, they actually got together. They've now written a, an entire like article, just really ripping apart the chemical processes and what's known and unknown about the, the Delta A production process. And you will be surprised by what you maybe not surprised you will be invigorated by what you read. really are you are you saying I'm wrong about Delta eight? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> The opposite. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, okay, great. Uh, th this is how we'll wrap up. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to have you on again sometime. I've really enjoyed the conversation, but let's wrap up just a little bit and talk about Delta 8. Legal weed people are talking about with Delta 8, but it's just like, you have no idea. <laughs> you don't know what they're doing to it. You have no idea what they're doing because Delta 8 does occur naturally. It, it occurs naturally in cannabis, but it occurs in such low numbers that it makes no sense for them to try and harvest it and sell it. It would be way more money. So what they do is they take a cheaper product and then chemically alter it. CBD isolate. Right, CBD isolate, chemically alter it, again, probably in the cheapest way possible because people who are selling D8 only care about making money. They do not care about your health at all. What's going on, Cody? Why, 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 why? <laughs> 
I don't want to say that about everyone making Delta 8 because I know that there are some some good manufacturers in this world. The problem becomes a lack of good standards. Many of these labs were not fully prepared to test this and many of these products that are coming through are Delta 9 rich, but the lab industry is struggling in itself and like there's there's not really a good reporting channels and good good, you know, enforcement around any of this. So it's a really messy messy league pseudo legal situation all of that to be said i don't really blame the manufacturers of delta 8 i don't really blame these people who have moved from the illicit weed market to then into the delta 8 market what i blame is poorly thought out federal policy who didn't come to ask experts like like riley kirk miyabe shields cody uh, peterson you know, and and so many other brilliant people thank you in this space where who could have helped them and guide them around what 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 sensible policy looks like right like 1% thc so we don't have to you know, fight over crappy industrial hemp that complies just because it's biomass and not because it, it you know, we could grow really nice premium er, uh, herb that is CBD rich at that 1% mark, but that's really hard at 0.3%. But the overproduction of CBD is exactly the reason. You can you can grow low CBD producing industrial hemp at scale in biomass sure. that you can then harvest, extract, make CBD isolate because it wasn't going to be good for smoking, that's for sure. And and then you can, you can convert that into psychoactive cannabinoids and sell it through regulatory markets that are almost entirely untaxed and unregulated. So it can be in the head shop, it can be in the, in the gas station, it can be in the the cbd store and so we've cut it out it brings the age down to 18 it opens more market segment like there's all sorts of reasons it's happened but it all could have been been foreseen if you just talked through with one or two medicinal chemists how friggin simple this was and what was already happening in the, on the west coast if you just would have had a pulse on Delta eight and what was hat where it was coming from what starting in 2014 right when they first Farm Bill. I don't know. A lot of people don't know that Farm Bill was first in 2014 in an experimental four-year phase. Then they were like, oh, this wasn't so bad. We'll turn hemp on, especially because Republicans wanted it. And you know, okay, hold <laughs> on. I gotta we stop you in- because <laughs> I said that it's all about making money. And everything you've said so far has led back to it's all about making money. It, because if it's Republicans, it's all about making money. Well, I, I look, I think the, all of all of everybody's interested in making money in America as part of the the broken part of capitalism that we're in right now is where politics can't move because special interests have influenced too many politicians. So everybody's got money to be the money to be made and unfortunately it's just not the middle class but that's a different yeah. a different yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah shout out, out shout my, out to the tavern league of wisconsin my old friends from my old state who won't let cannabis ever get legalized in wisconsin um <laughs> cody oh. oh i hope we're not really no no that was a sarcastic shout out if that didn't come out come out clear enough um cody peterson i have honestly i've loved this conversation so much it's it's invigorated me it's it's made me ready for the rest of my day let my listeners let everybody listening right now know where they can find you i'll have all of these links in the show notes but sometimes it helps to hear it from the source Absolutely. So, so most of my content, if you really want to connect with me and, and learn from me, go to LinkedIn. Uh, but a lot of my content gets moved over to Instagram, not all of it. And I do a little more, uh, let, let's say, uh, real content and some funny stuff that you can find on, on Instagram as well. So that's Cannabis Farm D. So that's my favorite plant followed my, by my degree, P-H-A-R-M-D, Cannabis Farm D. And, and if you just 
look at my name, C-O-D-I, Cody uh, Peterson. It's, I'm really, you can find pretty much anything I've done. I've got a podcast, uh, The Cannabis Enigma, uh, and I've got a website, uh, Kenigma.com. The Kenigma, right, is, is short for The Cannabis Enigma, and it really aims to help people understand cannabis and, and, and get it in a way that they haven't been able to understand it before. And even better, it's been reviewed by somebody with a, with a, a lot of experience or a high-level degree in that field. So we really take pride in the accuracy of our content, knowing that it's really hard to get good information out there. Thank you so much. Listeners, go check out Cody, because honestly, it's just an hour conversation. I've already learned so much. So this episode is being released on Sunday, August 7th. As you know, I'm trying to release these episodes every other Sunday so that I can make sure I have good enough content for you to actually have it be worth putting it into an episode. On Wednesday, August 3rd, I was working on some of that content, that potential content for the show, and my power went out. I was having a conversation with my friend Ryan Sprague, and in the middle of recording, my power went out. I'm not going to say too much about who Ryan is because he's going to be on the show eventually. If you want to get a little sneak peek into who he is, go check out his podcast called Highly Optimized. I brought Ryan on because in nearly every conversation on the show so far, the mystical side or the spiritual side or what I like to call the woo-woo side of cannabis has come up. And Ryan's pretty good at talking about the woo-woo side. I wanted to bring him on and start talking about that side of cannabis in kind of a friendly, stoner, approachable way. But unfortunately, we lost a big chunk of the conversation. In fact, the entire chunk of the conversation that was my recorded voice somehow did not survive the power outage. Ryan's voice survived, and so I wanted to play just a tiny little part of our conversation. Leading up to what he says here, I've said something that you've heard me say on the show before, where I refer to cannabis as a stallion, a wild stallion that you have to break before you get on it. If you don't break a stallion and you just get on it, it's going to do whatever it wants. It's going to buck you off. It's going to run into the wilderness, whatever. You'll have no control. But if you take the time and you break the stallion and you set intentions with it and you help it to learn what you need it to do, you can get on that stallion and accomplish great things. So I said that to Ryan and I said, I've heard you say something similar, but about a salsa dance. Could you please elaborate on the salsa dance? Yes. So, you know, first of all, I love the way you said it about the stallion because it's very synonymous with exactly what I say in the salsa dance analogy, which I'll get into. And then we'll dive into like kind of like the full meaning of it too. So, you know, for anyone listening, imagine that you're either in a salsa dance or you're watching one, right? And so regardless of what gender each person is, there's a masculine role and a feminine role. And the masculine's role is to provide the direction of that dance, right? It's to give the female or the feminine energy of that dance, the eyes that tell them, I know where you're going. I'm going to provide the structure and you can fully express yourself knowing that if you do a back bend or something crazy that we've planned for this and I know where I'm going to catch you. I know where to put my hand to make sure you don't fall over. And so on the other side, imagine that if you're not providing that masculine role and then you're trying to do a salsa dance, well, the woman or the feminine energy role of that actual dance, they're going to be like, how do I know if this guy or this masculine role here is going to actually catch me? So I'm not going to be able to fully express myself because again, like how it relates to cannabis is that 
cannabis being feminine energy is all potential, but yet no action, right? And so this is where the lazy stoner archetype comes from. Because what happens is a lot of people expect that if they smoke cannabis and then they just figure it out after that everything's going to be fine. And then what happens? You get absolved in a feminine energy, which is contentment, which is creativity, but it's not action, right? Like masculine energy provides the action. And so if you go into a cannabis experience and you don't provide a specific direction and intention for that plant to work with them, well, then it's going to be a wild stallion. What's going to happen is whatever's floating around in your unconscious, especially if you're going to cannabis because you had a stressful day, well, all that stress is rattling around up there. And then cannabis is going to fall into whatever direction you're unconsciously giving it to go in. So that could be anxiety, stress, et cetera, right? And so if you're able to give it a specific direction to work within, well, not only will the plant be able to go, okay, that's what you want. Yeah, I can help you get that. But also you have an anchor point because when you interact with any plant medicine, you are disintegrating a little bit, right? You're dissociating and you're leaving your normal uh, view of reality and allowing that spirit of that plant to work through you. And so what all too often happens is, you know, essentially if you are working with that plant and you disintegrate, right. And you don't fully integrate back in, well, then what's going to happen is you're going to have this feeling that whatever you experience in that cannabis experience, you need to have more cannabis to go experience that again. And also what's going to happen is that if you experience stress and anxiety or laziness or any of these things, you're going to see it as cannabis causing that. And that might sound innocent, like when you say it, but actually it's not because it's a much deeper thing you're doing. You're externalizing your power. And if you choose to believe like I do, that we are the creators of our own reality, and you choose to believe like the holism point of view that we are all God experiencing itself or whatever term you want to use, quantum field, source, whatever, well, then there's almost nothing worse we can do to ourselves and externalize our power. So when we're able to give cannabis that direction, we're able to give it a framework to work within. And we're also able to create an anchor. So when you are disintegrating and say, if like you make an intention to be happy, and then you start experiencing anxiety, well, you have your anchor point to go back to that you set when you were sober in your normal reality of going, well, all right, if my intention was to be happy, maybe this anxiety is what's standing in the way of me being happy. And maybe cannabis is showing me this with an opportunity to move through this and actually dissipate this from my reality so I can go back and now I don't need to ask cannabis to be happy because now I can be happy in my sober state of reality. So I can move on to the next lesson. And this is what Terrence McKenna meant when he said, when you get the message, you can hang up the phone, but to get the message, you have to ask the question, you know, and you have to be able to actually tune into what results you get. And so, yeah, man, I love the salsa dance analogy. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Man, I wish so bad that you guys could hear the whole thing. Maybe someday we'll be able to figure it out. So I do still have my audio, my side of it, but it's garbage. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. it. It's unlistenable to my ears, but maybe some like super secret bonus stuff someday if we ever get there. If you enjoyed that little tiny bit of Ryan, go check out his podcast, Highly Optimized. It is linked in the show notes, but he will be on the show soon. We are going to have another conversation that will probably be very similar to the one that we have already had. It'll just be like part two for us. So be looking for that in the near future. Next up, it's Mike from Dro TV debuting a new segment here on High Friends called Here's to the High Life. Here's to the High Life is a celebration of all of the things, events, friendships, relationships, anything, all of the stuff that we can trace back to our relationship or our use of cannabis. 
Mike has a channel on YouTube called Dro TV where he puts on some great cannabis content. For instance, I was on a show that he does called My First Time where guests go on and tell the story of their first time using cannabis. If you'd like to see that episode, I've linked it in the show notes. And while you're there, be sure to click on some other videos because Mike has some great guests with some great videos. In this Here's to the High Life debut, Mike shares a story about a time he was in the jungle with some cool whip and a guide. We're here in July now and we've done a hundred and nine. Yeah, you did. Are, are you five days a week? Five days a week. Are, yep. Did you start five days a week or did you just eventually decide, let's just do it five days a week? Because that's this so, is the first show I've ever launched and, and decided... I'm not doing weekly. I'm not, I'm going to purposefully put a week between episodes. And so you five days a week, I'm like, Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> when we started, uh, I was surprised at how many people were interested in, in coming on the show. Naturally I had friends, my, you know, rapper and musician friends. Uh, so it was kind of easy to get the initial episodes, but people that didn't know us, they didn't trust us. Who are these people DMing us? Do you want to come on this show? Uh, but I was surprised at the feedback we got. So we were we were trying to do three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but we were recording like six to eight episodes a week. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of not fair to interview somebody and then tell them your episode is going to come out in like two or three weeks because I want them to be excited about right. being interviewed, coming on the show. And so we really streamlined the process of how to edit and produce these and put them out. And so I just made the decision to let's just do it five days a week. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been, we've been working hard getting them all out there. Yeah. I feel the same. Uh, I feel the same pressure. You know, we had a conversation on your show about how I'm purposefully waiting with a lot of the content that I've recorded and telling people, I, I don't know that this will air. If, if I can't find something to match it up with, I, I just don't know. But you're right. I mean, I do feel a lot of pressure to get that stuff out there. And that's why I'm choosing people who like you, you're posting content every day. And I'm also talking to a lot of people on TikTok and Instagram. They're posting content every day. So no matter when I find the perfect time to put somebody's segment on the show, I know that I'm going to be able to plug their most recent content. So it's it's where, where I will come into trouble and maybe it won't, you know, at a certain point, if it's a certain caliber of guest, if they're having an album release or a, or a release date, at a certain point, you don't need to find the perfect content to pair with that. That is the perfect content that pairs with anything. So, <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to have you come on, we do a lot of different segments on the show. It's part of what makes High Friends fun. It's not just science information. Even though we present the science information in a fun way, we also want to remember that at all times, cannabis is fun and we have cool memories from doing it and cool experiences. And so let's create some here. So we're doing a segment today called Here's to the High Life. And uh, you guys have heard the, the segment, A Time I Took the High Road, which is just a story of any time you've been high. Here's to the high life. I am asking people to tell us stories about anything that they've gotten to do or experience, not when they were high necessarily, but because of their relationship to cannabis, whether they got to meet or make some good connections with people because of a shared interest in cannabis, 
or they got to go to a grow operation and learn a whole lot about their own home grow. Whatever it may be, Here's to the High Life showcases how cannabis can enrich your life, not just your body and mind, but enrich every aspect of your life. So, Mike from Dro TV, do you have any memories that come to mind when you think, here's to the High Life? You had asked me this and I was blank. I couldn't think of anything. And now I have about 10 stories. Isn't so that the way it always is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's stone alive. So uh, we were talking about birds earlier. The the teacher, a mentor of mine that got me into birds, when I was in junior high school, he was doing trips, like field trips to Ecuador, the jungle of uh, Oh, Osama cool. In uh, Ecuador. So I ended up going twice. The second time I went, one of the guides, because there was 40 of us that went. And so there were like two guides with a group of 10 people. And are they are the guides local? They're local. Yeah. yeah. So you've got the one guy with the machete chopping down the path we're walking. <laughs> and the on other guy day. with weed. <laughs> and the, the other guy is like the knowledgeable guy that speaks English oh, okay. and he can tell us what okay. this tree is, what this animal is. And so, anyways, uh, one of the nights I go to hang out with my guide. He goes, "You like Cool Whip?" And I'm like, "We're in the jungle. Like, sure, Cool Whip. Okay." So he says, "Go over to that ca- go over to that cabinet and get the Cool Whip." And I open it up. It's a bunch of weed. And uh, so, I mean, I had I had maybe smoked once or twice. I can't even remember the timeline now. But uh, so he has another guy come in and we start packing a bowl. And all I remember was uh, I had a portable the, CD player. What's the age disparity here? They were probably in their late 20s, early 30s. And I was <laughs> like 15, 16. I love it. Uh, so I mean, I don't, by I, the way, legally, I don't condone this behavior, but as a stoner, I love it. <laughs> so, so I just remember, uh, Pearl Jam Vitalogy, I had the <laughs> album playing and we smoked, I got super stoned naturally. I remember they were joking in English, joking in Spanish. And I just remember being completely lost because I couldn't fall. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm so stoned. Are they purposely doing this? And then I remember going and looking at Pearl Jam and the CD had stopped playing, but I was still hearing the music. So I said, that's it's time to go. So I went back to my cabana and we were in the party cabana. Usually you just had two beds and it was like a couples type thing. But, you know, we were we were kids. So it was just like you and your friend slept in this cabana. We were in the big cabana because we stayed with my my friend, his son, the teacher, his son. So we got the big cabana with like a living room and, you know, walk-in bathroom, all this stuff. And I just remember walking in and I said, everybody has to go. I can't take all these people here. And then I went and laid down in my bed. And all I can remember was holding my face because I felt like I'm lying down. I just felt like the skin was like falling off my face and I was holding it on. Uh, no idea what the weed was, no idea what we smoked. If it was, you know, right. I mean, this was, this was 97, 98. So, uh, you know, this was way back, but you got some uh, good swag. That was one of those instances where, uh, I, I don't remember having that feeling quite like that. Um, but that was, that was one of those stories that I'll, I'll never forget just because we were in a butterfly house. So they had a room of like chrysalises. Oh, sure. And 
So it was like, this room is, you know, the fully bred ones. And then these are the ones that are going through transformation. And, and so we were just sitting there hanging out and he said, go, go get the Cool Whip container. So, <laughs> well, there, there's always weed in the Cool Whip container, as they say. But Mike, can you tell people where, where can they find you? You know, this is all in the show notes for pe- people who want to click. But if you're somebody who needs to write something down to really remember, get that pen and paper ready. Mike from Dro TV is going to tell you, where can you find Mike from Dro TV? We're, we're pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. I mean, we're on all podcasts now, but you know, we're mostly active on Instagram. Twitter is pretty good as far as not censoring people for cannabis stuff. But yeah, so we, you know, we're we're active on uh, Twitter as well, but mostly Instagram and YouTube. Uh, we do put the show out five days a week, and it's video as well as audio. Monday through Friday, we've got another show in development. Um, it's more of a business related show where we're going to basically going to businesses and setting up a podcast there. Cool. Um, so it's more like a location based podcast. Right. Um, and that's going to be called the cannabis show. We've got a couple episodes recorded. I'd like to get several more before we start releasing them. And that'll probably be a weekly or biweekly show. That one's even more production than, than the ones we're doing. I believe now. So it. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out. Yeah how to make it work. Yeah. I, I believe it's production. Uh, you know, part of what I do with podcasting is I do kind of a mobile service for people of, Hey, we want a podcast. We want, so I, I, I do everything from, I'll help you come up with what your show should be to if you just need somebody to hit record and walk away and give you the files, I can be that. So you're absolutely, especially going into other locations. It is so much more production. You're absolutely right. All right, Mike, any more plugs that you need from us here? I think that's it, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, coming on Drew TV. The swap cast was really good. Absolutely. No, this was a blast. I'm so glad that we made the connection. And thank you so much for coming on. I won't drag this out any longer than it needs to be. Just a quick outro. A big thanks to Dr. Cody Peterson and my guest, Mike from Dro TV. Thank you both so much for sitting down, having a conversation with me, and being willing to share a little bit about your history with cannabis and your thoughts and your expertise. Honestly, high friends wouldn't work without people like you. But also, hi friends just simply wouldn't work without listeners. So listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. You would be doing me a huge favor if you could leave a rating or a review wherever you're able to do that for the show. And you'd be doing me an even bigger favor if you could share this episode with somebody that you think would gain something from it. Tell people that you're listening to the show and that you're having a good time. It helps more than you will ever ever know. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Check out the show notes for links. We will see you next time here on High Friends. Toke on! High Friends is a production of Mortarbox Media. Have you guys seen my vape pen? I, I swear, I just, I put it down for what, I just had it. Hey, Ash? Hey, Ashley. Ashley, where's my Time to end my friends. Time to.